Serena is nothing compared Cheryl to what Swoops. Cheryl Swoops. Cheryl Miller, like over all of these athletes, we have the fabulous yes. Mula. Okay. Mula. Yeah. I feel like one listener Flo is Joe, not forget about Flo Joe. conversation. Florence, Florence Joyner, Jackie Joyner, Kersey. Over all of these women, great women athletes, you both are in concert in saying the fabulous Mula is by far the greatest woman athlete. Could any of these women take In terms a, of achievement, you would have to say yes. Could any of these women take a, a iron chair to the head and then jump over the ropes and beat up several other announcers and some of the fans? I mean, the moolah was capable of That's this. That's true. I mean, I true. believe she also was a practitioner of the flying head scissors. Flying head scissors. Yes, which was a move uh, originally introduced in the United States by the flying Frenchman, I'd Eduardo like, Carpentier. I'd like to see Billie Jean King try a flying scissor. <laughs> The great Len Robinson. They've turned the garden, now once known as the mecca of virtually everything. I mean, it was mecca itself, whether it was basketball or boxing. And, and now it's no more than Bob's country bunker, it seems, with the Blues Brothers checking in uh, just to pick up a paycheck. I mean, now what, what's going on there? Very disappointing. You know, when I was when I was a kid, I used to go to Sunnyside Gardens, Queens, and watch yes. pro wrestling. And I think I was more afraid of the crowd than I was of the wrestlers. He's in his, like, George the Animal Steel. You know, George the Animal Steel would be, like, you know, gnawing on on the uh, turnbuckle there. But there was, you know, four guys behind me with brass knuckles and golden teeth. Those were the guys I worried about. The time. Wake up with Defoe. Joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. Somehow the image of Billie Jean King attempting a flying head scissors. It's not a pretty picture, uh, Mike Libby, but it's not a pretty picture at all for this uh, beautiful Thursday that's unfolding here in South Florida. Great to be with you. Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby-Lubitz with you on the ALT Defo Show, brought to you by Altitude International. Altitude-international.com is where you can find out more about uh, that great company and all the revolutionary things that they are doing. Uh, many things happening on the program. Earlier we talked about uh, trolling for chicks on Facebook and how that is often an assertion, an accusation made by uh, any spousal interest whether married or not, but uh, the other person in your life uh, usually assumes that you're trolling for chicks on these sort of things. Now, Luby brought it into the modern era here with Instagram and TikTok, which is far more blatant in that regard, is it not? I mean, if you're caught looking at a bunch of naked women on Instagram, chances are you're trolling for chicks, right? I mean, it's going to be hard to uh, say, woman, what woman? (laughs) You need Baffert to start making excuses for you. Well, you know what? The groom was sick, and then we put him in the barn there so that the horse would get the best possible chance of running tomorrow. And he peed on the horse's food, and the next thing you know. It's over. A positive test. They all have roids. Freaking unbelievable. I love it. I love Baffert's that he's suing. The... That's my favorite that he's suing. It's like, it's taking one more woman to another level where it's when you get caught and then you get angry. You're mad. You yes. got caught, so you're so defensive that somehow you yell at them. <laughs> It's very Rudy Giuliani-esque, is it not? I mean, this is very much in vogue. This is what America has evolved into. It was always uh, Sue, 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 you, the old Phil Collins song. But uh, th- this does take, uh, as we said yesterday and discussed with the great Mike Mayo, the gambling gourmet, who will be with us tomorrow on a deal Volkswagen Degenerate Friday, it takes chutzpah yes. to go ahead and file off, uh, you know, and fire off a lawsuit uh, in that situation. Uh, but we were talking about uh, trolling Trolling for chicks, and I'll never forget, uh, Luby, because uh, when you brought that up about Instagram and TikTok, 
Uh, you were on uh, Tinder or something. I remember we were on a road trip in Houston. I think it might have been the Final Four. It could have been a Super Bowl. It was trip. the Final Four. It was the Final Four. Yes, sir. And you were inclined. And this, uh, you know, the scene I think of always uh, whenever I'm reminded of this incident with you, uh, you were inclined to actually try and get a blind date via Tinder, out of town. This is worse than making an out-of-town drug deal. I mean, more dangerous <laughs> and treacherous than that. <laughs> what is the thing called? And I always think of that scene in Fort Apache, the Bronx. I don't know if you remember that movie, Fort Apache, the Bronx. Probably didn't no. see it. It was likely before your time, uh, long since out of circulation. But uh, yes. a real interesting movie, uh, as I recall, about the dark side of life. And uh, the woman has a razor blade. Uh, one of the hookers has a razor blade. She's, like, slashing her, uh, you know, her tricks' uh, throats. And they can't figure out where all of these killings are evolving from. And then, you know, they caught up with the woman. And I thought of you in that uh, you know, kind of a horrible circumstance. Because you don't know what was going to happen uh, on this Tinder thing. But I, I respect it in the sense that, and with anybody, right? I mean, you can admit it. I don't know if you can admit it to your spouse that, that you are actually trolling for chicks. But uh, it reminds me of the great uh, Joe Willie Namath. Who, uh, remember when they were giving him a hard time about his Lotharian lifestyle? He said, uh, it's un-American for a gentleman not to enjoy the company of a pretty woman or something <laughs> along those lines. Sure. Now he's reduced to uh, hawking uh, exactly. <laughs> Medicare supplements. Exactly. Well, you know what? You don't need teeth anyway, so why would you pay for that? <laughs> you don't need teeth anyway. It's sad that I thought, and I love Joe Willie, man. I mean, uh, it's interesting because uh, everybody has, uh, unfortunately, it seems, a, a dark moment. And we've seen it with different athletes. Uh, we've talked about it many times. Bill Buckner, great career. What do, you, what do you remember? You remember that Mookie dribbler? Jackie Smith, Staubach stunned. He couldn't believe this guy dropped a pass right right in his hands. I mean, just hit him in the chest. And it uh, cost him a Super Bowl. Uh, but Joe Willie, of course, uh, with the Susie Colbert moment, uh, th that's going to be his signature. Never mind those perfect bombs he was throwing to Maynard and Sauer. Never mind hitting the striping one to Pete Lamons right over the middle there, and uh, Pete drags six guys into the end zone there, getting a block late down the field from Matt Snell. They remember him for that, uh, I want to kiss you. <laughs> that was ugly. So bad, anyway, be careful uh, what bad. you do out there. Right? I did yes. want to mention this, and I know uh, people, is it so unpopular to talk about tennis on the show? Yes. Should we not be uh, locked into what most sports talk shows are all about, which is only the NBA and the National Football League. There yeah. are no other sports. That's it. They don't exist. They do a blip on the NHL, like, oh, the NHL's going on. And then they go back to talking about Aaron Rodgers and LeBron James. And then ESPN has a nasty habit of jamming soccer and lacrosse highlights. Weirdly. Yeah, they'll weirdly shows, throw it in. Right? Like, I don't All know. right, here's <laughs> playing number seven, right? You, like you, you watch never throw the game. Uh, <laughs> You had some guy work some Craig Nettles magic at third base, uh, and uh, that's number nine behind, like, a women's lacrosse uh, goal that was scored <laughs> while the goalie was knocked out. I mean, like, come on, ESPN. What are you trying to say here? <laughs> they anyway, were contract. <laughs> I mean, you can you draw so many things. If you diversify your interests a little bit, you can draw so many things from uh, just watching sports. And, of course, I was glued to. I wasn't feeling well. I have one of those uh, lingering... Is it possible to have the common South Florida cold? Remember where it would seem like it went away two days ago, and now it's back. Yes. And it's back in a different format, right? All of a sudden, uh, you can't straighten up your back, and uh, you're coughing to death. The next day, uh, you're getting chills and fevers. Yes. A couple of days later, it's something else. So I've had one of these things uh, working around my system there, and I was a little knocked out after the show, but I was knocked right into a spot where I get to watch Nadal against the little Jewish kid from Argentina, Diego Schwartzman. Schwartzman. 
Now, Schwartzman is a battler. I, I told you that. And you've yeah. seen him before. This guy is a very determined player. But what we saw there was a scene straight out of Cinderella Man. And I've mentioned this scene many times because it struck me. Where Brannick is kind of, uh, you know, toying a little bit and, and having his way with, with the uh, actor that pay, played uh, Max Bear. And, uh, you know, early rounds of the fight, he's kind of tap dancing around. Bear's doing nothing. He's uh, just really uh, toying with him. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, like the third round comes up, and he comes out of the corner, and Paul Giamatti, as the Cinderella Man's manager, says, Uh-oh, watch out! And you could see that the guy meant business. And it was clearly a, a signature that uh, he was triggering uh, th this whole new component to his game. And that's what Nadal did. He's like 4-4 in the fourth set. No, third set with uh, Diego Schwartzman, who, who managed to win a set. Snapped a 36 or 38 set straight victory uh, streak by Nadal. Can you imagine? He hadn't lost a set there in like, what is that? Ten matches? More. 11 that's matches. That's insane. 12. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Especially he's in his like mid-30s. Never dropped a set. This is best of five, too. It's not like you play two sets, you get off to a hot start, and then it's out the door, you're in the showers. So you could you could visibly see when Nadal decided to uh, step up his game there at 4-4 four, four and a third. He wins that game with just brilliant play. I mean, he, he must have run 10,000 steps in the course of uh, scoring uh, the four points that was necessary. He might have taken a few more points to win the game. but uh, And hard fought by Schwartzman. And that just took the uh, living starch out of our man Diego Schwartzman, who is on a very short list of great Jewish tennis players. Great Jewish tennis players. Would he be the best of them, though? I guess you would have to say was Jay Berger the most accomplished? Harold Solomon? Went on to uh, do wonderful things uh, for society with uh, his uh, drive to fight and beat hunger in underprivileged countries. Uh, was uh, a real, real humanitarian. Harold Solomon. Oh, he was a nasty SOB. I don't you know him. <laughs> I know Jay Berger, I think at some point, got to the top ten. Berger's so, a great guy. Man. So he, is, I guess, guy. would be considered great. Schwartzman's still young, though, isn't he? Like Schwartzman's the kind of guy I feel like is going to make his mark on the game. No, he just looks like a kid. He's been around a long time. Oh, really? I don't want to say that he's a young guy, but he's certainly not burnt out. So, And he gave it everything he had. I mean, this was a wild match, just fantastic. And then here's a scene I can't figure it out. And if anybody has any insight into what happened there, I haven't seen anything. And I didn't get a chance to catch the post-match interview, and I'm not sure it was even addressed with Novak Djokovic. So here's a weird thing, Luby. There's like an 11 p.m. curfew, I believe, in Paris because of COVID restrictions. So no matter what's going on in the stadium court there at Roland Garros, they have to clear the stadium at 11 o'clock. So the crowd's going nuts, and they're very much behind this Italian kid, Berrettini, who's given Djokovic a pretty good battle. Although, you know, it looks like he's probably going to eventually lose, but nonetheless, I mean, it's going back and forth now a little bit. After he lost the first couple of sets, he takes the third. But at like 2-2 in the fourth set, they have to clear the stadium, and that takes 20 minutes. Now, there's nobody in this arena, and uh, you, you can literally hear a pin drop uh, if you're listening on TV. And for some reason, uh, after they resume play, Djokovic pitches a fit, and he is screaming like a maniac at somebody. I, I don't know. Did some Italian guy stay in there, and it was like one of those deals where there was one heckler in the audience, and you could hear him loud and clear? I don't know. That's weird. You have to see this eruption, and it couldn't have just been emotion. First, he uh, kicks the wall and, uh, you know, looks like he's going to tear down the arena after he scores a point and, and is screaming at wh whatever in the direction of what I think is somebody. But the place is empty. Th this was absolutely out of the twilight zone, like, like Djokovic had snapped. And then after the match, he, he comes back and he uh, finally wins the thing in four sets. He, he breaks in the final game.
he, he erupts again in the direction of what appears to be nobody. Does anybody have an explanation as to what it was that triggered this kind of, I mean, it, it, it was psychotic, a psychotic episode on, on behalf of Novak Djokovic. That's weird. He's How much pent-up energy man. could you have? Yeah, he's, What's that? He, isn't he super mild-mannered? Like, he's not one to yell. He's not McEnroe. Or what's his well, name? Well, I mean, he is, uh, you know, an intense competitor, and you've seen many guys erupt, you know, after they win a big point or a set. And Djokovic uh, is not immune to uh, and not opposed to uh, having those kind of emotional uh, incidents where, you know, he, he emotes his feelings about uh, winning the point and what, what it meant. But I have never seen a guy go nuts like this. And uh, I'm curious to see if anybody knows uh, what the heck uh, was what was the deal on that. Uh, we'll, we'll come back with more. You, you give us a call at 866-801-0940, 866-801-0940. So it does come out uh, to be Nadal and Djokovic semifinals, French nice. Open. That's going to be a bloodbath, man. That is going to be a bloodbath because both of those guys are, are playing great. And, and Nadal, with those spins, you talk about Garrett Cole. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they accused Nadal of putting some kind of Vaseline on the ball. I think he's got more Vaseline in his pocket. That's why he's always fidgeting, right? Is it possible we get to the bottom of a, you know, and break the myth of Rafael Nadal, who I love? I mean, uh, I love watching this guy play. Most intense competitor you'll oh, see, yeah. and uh, Djokovic is right there. But are they going to find out that when he goes through all those gyrations, it looks like he has OCD? <laughs> that no, I mean he does everything. He grabs he his does crotch, a whole he fidgets thing, with yeah. his shorts. He, uh, you know. Uh, Wipes uh, some schwitz. Uh, he goes to the wristband. He, uh, you know, he does everything. He tugs on his shirt, bounces the ball like a hundred times. <laughs> You're saying hit it already, Ralph. <laughs> but is it possible that he's got more Vaseline on him than Stitch Duran does when he's in the corner for a professional boxing match? Yeah. Could be, right? I mean, how do you get the ball to spin like that? It's incredible. All right, we're coming back with more in a moment. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. Run for seventy-one. Deal, Volkswagen people. Not happy with last night's result. Although another unidentified pitcher on the mound there. Well, we joked about it with Don Manningly, where the guy is wearing name tags that he was throwing on the mound last year. They don't even have, like, likenesses of these guys. They don't even have, like, an artist rendering of the pitchers that they're throwing out there. Honestly. <laughs> they had that, you know, when they put it up on the screen, there, they said, here's Braxton Garrett, and they had one of those uh, silhouette jobs as his pitcher. And then they had a picture of the other guy who uh, I believe uh, is from South Florida that was pitching for Colorado last night, Gombor or something like that, who uh, was pitching very well. All right, we're coming back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 719. The first one, yes, but I'm not so sure about that strike three there. And I'll offer him that was about a foot and a half outside. So. That, that's the one we talked about all the time because we sit back and laugh and Frank Pulley was the umpire and Frank is a good umpire and a good good man. But And Latch and I used to talk about it and we still do when we see each other like, can you believe that call that pitch a strike? I think he was so much caught up in the emotion that he wanted to be the first one to ring somebody up in that game and boom. Uh, I wish I could be, I wish I could say, oh yeah, that was close. But um, <laughs> I can't make that argument support, but I love the call. Yeah, even Maddox wouldn't have gotten that call. The only way to get your morning started is with Defoe, joined by Luby, right here on The Defoe Show. All right, coming up in a few minutes, your first edition of The Defoe Files, brought to you by the amazing people at Dual Volkswagen at 745. We'll take it out to New York, talk a little bit about what's going on in the New York sports landscape with the one and only Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post. We will have Kicking It Old School with Tony Segreto from 8 to 9, brought to you by Catholic Health Services, Texas Roadhouse, and A. Caruana and Associates Realty. 
Plus, of course, at 920, we'll have a Luby's Law making up for yesterday. Uh, brought to you by Horizon Public Adjusters. Just give Justine a test or call with any home or business issues. 954-809-8752. You can always get in touch with us on Twitter, at Defoe Show, and at Luby Wins. I believe the guy's name was John Gambling, but uh, title of a radio show uh, that this uh, gentleman hosted many years ago and early pioneer in talk radio. Rambling with Gambling. And it's kind of rambling with Luby, that uh, Luby's Law, when you get going. What are you uh, rambling about today? I, Ramble- I, pay, I pay homage to you. Because I, I literally noticed yesterday, because we have ESPN on, we have Fox on in the studio, and every time I looked up, it was Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, did the Packers play? I'm like, what are they talking about so much about Aaron Rodgers with nothing happening? And then I realized, oh, they're force-feeding this topic that doesn't exist. Huh. Thank you, DFO, for having me realize this, because about 20 years ago, I would never have realized it. I would have got sucked in and sat there and watched it and going, yeah, screw you, Aaron. And then I realized that's not a topic. They're just making, they're contriving something that really is nothing. The lack of imagination in this industry at this stage where television actually has taken over a role that was played by sports talk radio. Yes. Where you would have a meeting before the show and uh, one guy would say, okay, yeah, I'll say the Hurricanes suck and they have no chance to win the championship. (laughs) And the other guy would have the more popular opinion around town that they were going to be just fine. And that, uh, you know, they probably win uh, seven or eight more national titles uh, in spite of what you thought about Donna Shalala down by the shore. No, it's uh, irritating, uh, the limitations. I mean, I, who, who actually knows what Aaron Rodgers is thinking anyway? Adam Schefter, does anybody know? He hasn't talked. This is uh, he hasn't an oddball said a character. He hasn't said one yeah. word. <laughs> I mean, he's not showing up. At, you know, every other quarterback, Tom Brady's already completed 100% of his passes, and they gave Bruce Arians an extension just for inviting him to camp. <laughs> so I get, look. Jordan I, Love. Jordan Love says he can do it in Green Bay. I get him not coming the first day. It might be like a segment. But, like, they're, they literally will... Show an NBA playoff game, go back to Aaron Rodgers. Show an MLB game, go back to I'm like, how do you go back to it? I'm like, what new happened? <laughs> like, All right, now it's a non-story, right? Yeah, you have the Green Bay I Packers mean, scrambling and trying to appease this guy, and uh, he may be a guy that doesn't want to be appeased. Exactly. So we'll see. He has plenty of money. He can make his own decisions. And uh, this was a guy uh, that went Servino on his own family. Yeah, he did. What could they possibly have done that uh, couldn't be overcome over the course of time? Where Aaron Rodgers uh, denounces his own parents and, of course, his brother, who was uh, there on The Bachelor, I think a couple of times, right? Yep. They just uh, labeled him as a professional quarterback, and then later on it slipped out. Oh, it just happens to be Aaron Rodgers' brother. You think he's desirable? But he was estranged as Aaron Rodgers' brother. He did end up uh, copping a gig as an announcer, and I think might have been very capable uh, later on from his appearances on The Bachelor. The deal Volkswagen to Forest Files. Now, this was a screwy one, Luby. Because, uh, you know, I said I was uh, battling this, uh, like, lingering cold, which uh, kept alternating the way it was impacting my life. And uh, last night had me kind of knocked out a little bit. So I didn't have a deal Volkswagen to Forest Files. I I got up at, like, 2 in the morning, which is not uncommon for me, and then go back to sleep. But uh, I wrote this thing at 2 in the morning, and I I was stuck for a subject. Welcome. And I was thinking, well, let's let's get into this Major League Baseball thing. And uh, what inspired this was uh, I'm watching the Marlins game. We love our Marlins. The deal Volkswagen run for 71. But the game was just transpiring so slowly. And I flip channels and go to the hockey game. Bruins Islanders, my God, the place was rocking. Yep. And I'm thinking baseball really does have a problem if it's going to continue uh, to go down into new depths in terms of strikeouts to actually balls-in-play ratio. 
And the problem behind it, and now it's either the pitchers are all cheating with foreign subject, uh, uh, objects and uh, substances and subjects that they're putting on a ball. Would it be subjects? Whatever. Substances. Substances. Because it's liquid substances. and, yeah. yeah. There you go. That's a little awkward there, Libby. <laughs> and, I don't know why uh, you, you know, got subjects. <laughs> I don't know. It's early in the morning. It is. <laughs> It's not exactly like we're giving a language lesson here. On oh, no. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> if you're tuned in for that, you probably tuned Go in. Go away. <laughs> Jimmy Cephalo is on 610 That's WMD. way better. <laughs> we love Jimmy. All right. So uh, if they're going to continue to mess with yes, this thing, yes. I mean, they already have a problem, yep. which is nobody puts the ball in play. It's, it's dreadfully boring to watch. It just is on a lot of occasions. It's a shame. This is an old schooler saying it. So I think I went Costas-esque. In this particular essay that's about to air here as Fine. the deal Volkswagen, the forest files. What do you think? A little it's justified. I mean, look, it's it's weird. People complain about the length of baseball games, but that's not actually the issue because baseball has always been long and no one had a problem. When a basketball game's long or a football game's long, football has become like four hours for a game yeah. and no one complains. It's like you said, you went to the a hockey game can be three hours, but you don't even notice it because it's interesting. The problem with baseball is it's become non-existent it's not even that it's long or boring it's it's always been sort of boring it's become it like nothing happens like you'll watch five innings and go what <laughs> like nothing strike out strike out strike out strike out strike out home and strike out strike out strike out strike out walk strike out so it's like it's watered down strikeouts it's watered down pitching it's watered down hitting like even people who love baseball my dad loves baseball he tells me yeah i can't get through four innings i'm like geez crazy, right? Now, strikeouts. Uh, now, it's not like you came out to see Carlton Fan 13 or Bob exactly. Gibson or Sandy Koufax, which uh, I was treated to many, many times. And, you know, it was just fantastic. And those games, if you look back in terms of uh, time of play, 221, 210. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a big difference from uh, three hours and 36 minutes to watch 20 guys strike out. Exactly. It's crazy. O- on each team. I yeah. mean, uh, that's that's the sad part. Uh, so, uh uh, real problem. Uh, that's our deal, Volkswagen, the Forest Files. I'm not sure that I solved the problem, but uh, we certainly bring it up, which is what Sports Talk is all about. Coming back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. Mike Vaccaro later on this hour from the New York Post at 7.33. Why not just use the old Japanese sawdust ball? That story in a moment. Hi, Jeff DeForest here for the great people at Deal Volkswagen. Summer is heating up, and so are the great deals on certified pre-owned vehicles at Deal VW. It's like getting a new car without paying a new car price. They're basically selling them wholesale to the public, and they all come with a clean Carfax vehicle history report, great mileage, and better prices. Jetta models, Passat models, and Tiguan models, and much more. All at great prices with Volkswagen-backed warranties. Check out the Deal inventory online and see the great quality selection they have. Only showroom quality vehicles and many with one owner. Real cream puffs and new inventory arriving daily, so check often. Get down to their classic location at 3601 Bird Road and beat the heat in a certified pre-owned VW. You'll be like thousands of happy customers that say it's all about the D-E-E-L. Carfax Vehicle History Reports are based only on information supplied to Carfax. Carfax does not have the complete history of every vehicle. It used to be the national pastime, but in this era of short attention spans, need for instant gratification and immediate satisfaction, Major League Baseball is finding itself heading a short list of sports that might soon be past its time, if it isn't there already. Believe me, it stings at the very core of my soul to say this. Growing up in Brooklyn in the 50s, there wasn't a single variation of the game 
that wasn't in a young kid's repertoire. Stickball, punchball, stoopball, curveball, wiffleball, you name it, we played it. And it was true. Football and the National Football League was just an activity to bridge the gap of time between the last pitch of the World Series and the time pitchers and catchers reported first for spring training. Baseball was clear cut, number one. But the modern day version is becoming more difficult to embrace and certainly will never be perceived in the fashion it once was. Worse, the game keeps moving in directions to further alienate even the most die-hearted fans. This latest controversy about doctoring baseballs to the game's detriment is doing damage on many levels. Pitchers using foreign substances on balls they're about to deliver was once part of the game's charm. I'm finding a nail file, sandpaper, or some good old Gaylord Perry goo being applied to a ball used to draw a fine in a few laps. But with the inordinate number of strikeouts now paralyzing the game and coming close to rendering it unwatchable, the idea balls are being altered in multiple fashions is as appalling as it once was appealing. The accusations about manipulating the ball to curb what little chance hitters have of putting it in play are now on multi-levels, including those that run the game itself. The deadening of the balls this year orchestrated by the league has not produced any favorable results that we can see. In fact, it has fueled speculation by some it is being done to curb free agency value by limiting home runs once the absolute salvation of the game in the steroid era. The once overly lively ball is now like hitting one of those balls you used to use in the streets with electrical tape on it to hold it together. A veritable shot put compared to what seemed like helium inflated balls that were flying out of the park with the aid of juiced hitters and corked bats. Factor in what seems like widespread use of foreign substances to increase spin rates and movement and you have a formula for disaster. It's too bad the game for some reason can't be played on the level. Why not just make Bob Baffert the commissioner at this point? If baseball wasn't losing its grip on the young audience, it needs to persist. Messing constantly with the ball by both the players and the league will only serve as the middle paragraph in an epitaph that was already being scripted by the slow pace and lack of action that have become inherent in the modern day version of the game. Jeff DeForest with the DeForest Files. My own mother says, really? I mean, really? We now return to the Defoe Show. Very Costas-esque, was that not? Mike Luby-Lubitz, Costas-esque. Is that a yes, fair yes, it assessment? Was. Today's deal, Volkswagen, the Forest Files. Not sure that we solved anything, that's for sure. All right, uh, we're coming back with more. Mike Vaccaro going to join us here, and uh, he has uh, an interesting column yesterday's New York Post about the old barn. And how it was uh, lit up by the New York Islanders, who lit it up there last night against the Boston Bruins. Move on to the next round of the playoffs. Mike Vaccaro, always interesting on a variety of things, going to join us in the next segment of the show. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby-Lubitz, the ALT Defoe Show, brought to you by Altitude International. We'll continue on 940 wins, 1230 The Zone, and around the world on the iHeartRadio app in just a few minutes. Now that. The time. It is 743. I'm going to lend you my car. I want you to make a good impression. You borrow my car, and then you give it a test. You give her my test. You give it a door test. What's the door test? All right, listen to me. You pull her right where she is, right? Before you get out of the car, you lock both doors. Then you get out of the car, you walk over to her. You bring her over to the car. You take out the key, put in the lock, open the door for her. Then you let her get in. Then you close the door for her. Then you walk around the back of the car, and you look through the rear window. If she doesn't reach over, lift up that button for you, so you can get in, dump her. Just like that? Listen to me, kid. If she doesn't reach over, lift up that button for you, so you can get in, that means she's a selfish broad, and all you're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. You dump her, you dump her fast. The morning just isn't right without Defo. We now return to the Defo Show. 
Welcome back to the show on this fine Thursday, the ALT Depot Show, brought to you by Altitude International, revolutionizing the way games are being played. I'm Jeff DeForest. He is Mike Luby Lubitz, and always a pleasure to welcome this gentleman, a distinguished columnist from the New York Post. I love reading his stuff, uh, including what he had in there yesterday about, and you know how much uh, we love uh, relics of arenas and stadiums, with the possible exception of the Orange Bowl, which was a dump. Uh, we welcome Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post to the show. Uh, Michael, how are you, my friend? Always great to be here with you guys. How are you doing today? Doing just great. And uh, this was part of my Costas-esque uh, version of the DeForest Files today, a little editorial we have in a show. I flip away from the Marlins game, uh, which was transpiring at a dreadfully slow pace, and I zero in on the hockey game last night at the Nassau Coliseum. Now, as I remember, this was one of those uh, relics of an arena when, when it first was in in you know, erected uh, people were already saying what a dump about this place. But uh, uh, the the old ghosts of uh, days gone by were resurrected last night. Uh, what what kind of evening was it for the Islanders as they closed out the Bruins in a series uh, in the old and um, the old uh, you know arena? Yeah, I think the first asbestos shower was uh, was taken by a fan the first uh, week the uh, Coliseum opened in 1972. <laughs> 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 It's been a uh, it's it, it, it's been a wonderful old dump, a wonderful old barn from the moment it opened, and of course they renovated it a couple of years ago. But it's hilarious. I went there the first time after I uh, you know the, the first time after they re- renovated it, I went in there and I'm like, what do they do? It looks exactly the same. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was the same the same atmosphere uh, for for a hockey game. This was a couple of years ago, um, and yeah, I mean last night was just was just beyond belief. You you knew it would be. Um, I mean, the Islanders have always had a special place in the hearts of people who go to the Coliseum. I mean, which for, you know, if you grew up on Long Island, the Coliseum was kind of the, the center of your universe. I mean, it's the it's the reason you were able to see, uh, you know, first-rate concerts. I mean, you know, you, you name the Rock the rock Act, they, 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 they made their way through the Coliseum. Um, you know, they the, 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 the Nets used to play there, and they won two ABA championships there. And, of course, the Islanders, you know, hung four Stanley Cup banners, and it's always been just a a really special place, really special relationship between the fans and the Islanders. And it really was last night. I mean, you know, it, 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 there have been a lot of a lot of dreadful years between the dynasty years and the last couple. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. I mean, you know, Islander fans have really kind of seized on this because it's almost been a, a gift to get, uh, you know, a, a tandem like Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello to run things. I mean, the adults are in the room and, uh, and, you know, the, 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 the proof is in the playoff results. And for the second year in a row, they're going to be in, a, in the uh, Cup Final Four. And this this year, their fans are going to be able to enjoy it. It's a it's a real it's it, it's an incredibly visceral building to be in for a big game. Um, actually, it's that way for you know a midweek game against Winnipeg. To be honest with you, but <laughs> it's 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 really special. Uh, and last night, I I, I, I honestly, I'll, I'll never say a team doesn't have a chance, but. I, I really never thought the Bruins had a chance, especially once their coach started to complain about the Islanders and called them the New York Saints and all this kind of stuff. I just, you just know that sometimes the team's not going to survive the kind of gauntlet that the Bruins are going to have to go through, and that's really what it was like, I think, at the at the Coliseum last night. Coming from the obvious only studios, Mike, we were talking with your buddy Len Robbins yesterday, and we were sort of making fun of ourselves, as in the minute the Panthers are out of the playoffs, we forget hockey exists. And I'm a lifelong South Floridian, so I'm curious, because you have the Nets, you have the Knicks successful, you have the Yankees and the Mets, how do they, the New York population take in hockey? Because it feels like you guys, 
will support everything year-round. Like, I'm actually impressed by that, and I'm curious, how are the New York fan bases taking in the Islanders' Islander success? I mean, look, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that in terms of, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, the Islanders, or the hockey in general, is four out of four for us behind baseball, yeah. basketball, and football. Um, obviously, the people who care about hockey care about it passionately. And, uh, you know, we really don't cover the Islanders day-to-day during the regular okay. season, and we, and we hear about it, you know, and, and I get it. I mean, you know, whenever I parachute in, as I did the other day, you know, invariably I hear people say, well, this is nice, but where were you in February? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Look, I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's a fair criticism. Hockey is kind of a niche sport for us. I mean, we cover the Rangers, you know, with the same kind of daily devotion we cover the Yankees, but that's mm-hmm. just because the, the numbers are larger. Um, you know, Newsday does a wonderful job covering the Islanders, as, as well they should because it's their team on Long Island. Um but you know what? I mean, we uh, there's no doubt that we're we, you know we're, we're we're you know all feet on the bandwagon now. You know, if the Nets weren't playing now, I think that I'd actually probably you know probably join the Islanders for you know be full time right now until for as long as it lasts. I mean, the fact is that that the Nets are, do exist though, and they are ten you know wins from a championship themselves. So it's uh, you know it's going to be that that's going to occupy most of my attention, unfortunately. But that's okay because it gets me a chance to watch the Islanders kind of from a distance and. You know, I grew up an Islanders fan, so in, 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 uh, on one level, it's kind of fun to watch to watch that story unfold the way you know I've been able to watch it kind of from a distance. Mike Vaccaro, the New York Post, our outstanding lead columnist with us here on 940 Winds, 1230 The Zone, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Who plays Barry Trotz in the movie, or is he just cast uh, as the remake of Commander Strax in Doctor <laughs> Who? Very interesting cat, this Barry Trotz, who leaves the Stanley Cup championship team there in Washington, uh, lands with the Islanders, and as you said, uh, this Lou Lamarillo is somebody you don't want to mess with, uh, and uh, probably, you know, he's a recognizable name, I guess, in hockey and among even casual fans, but uh, what is it exactly that this guy does? So how, how is he able to track uh, always a way to put teams together that end up winning? Well, for, you know, starting with Trotz, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he gave him a light bulb, but he was able to you know, put it in his mouth and light it because he does kind of look a little bit like a professor. <laughs> but, but he also, look, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the Capitals were a hapless team in the playoffs for years, and he kind of showed them how to win. Um, for some reason, they didn't resign him, much to the great delight of the Islanders, because, uh, you know, watching him work for the last three years, I mean, he's just, you know, he, he, he's in a lot of ways the quintessential professional uh, North American coach in that, you know, he demand, he's demanding. He expects professionalism from his players, not afraid to bury them when, when they need to be buried, but also, you know, they know that he's got his, he's got their back at all times. So they play hard for him. And look, I mean, it seems like a simple formula, but if we're simple, more coaches would be able to pull it off. And, and, and Barry Trotz definitely pulls it off with this team. He definitely pulled it off the Capitals. I mean, you know, he'll forever have his name on the Stanley Cup because of that. And look, I mean, I, I, I could go chapter on verse and, uh, on Lamorello because I, I go back 25 years with Lou when he was with the Devils, uh, have interviewed and, and, and you know, developed relationships with, with many, many athletes and administrators and coaches, and, and I've never, ever been more impressed with anybody in my career than Lou Lamarillo because um, it's, he's, a, he's a guy who, if, if I owned a sports franchise of any, in, in any sport, not just hockey, my first, my first phone call would be Lou Lamarillo because uh, he just knows how to, how to hire the right people. He knows uh, how to listen. He knows how to 
Uh, look, I mean, the Nets, the Nets made two two NBA Finals appearances, and guess who was at the top of their float chart, their yep. corporate float chart in those two years? Yep. It was Lou Lamorello. Uh, wow. Guess who hired Guess who hired Rick Pitino at Providence? It was Lou Lamorello. Wow. So he's got a track record that extends beyond hockey, but his hockey resume is second to none. Obviously, he built three Stanley Cup winners in New Jersey, um, all of whom had really different personalities. They all had different coaches. Um, and it's just been it's been a joy to watch what he's done on Long Island, and that you know, and, and it's all happened even even though he wasn't able to retain. Um, I'm going to forget his name now, right? But the, 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 the John Tavares. Tavares, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. But you know, I mean, you know, you know, Lou was barely here a year, and Tavares scampers to Toronto. It looked like things were disastrous. But you know, as I told somebody when that happened, I said Lou's never you know more dangerous. And when people are, you know, wondering, you know, if, if the game has passed him by, and he's clearly shown that it hasn't, and uh, what he's what he's done with the Islanders has been has been remarkable. It's great uh, stuff yesterday, uh, even through the tube, and uh, great you were able to be there, Mike Vaccaro, New York Post. Always a pleasure, my friend. Brilliant as always, and uh, we'll continue uh, reading your columns in the Post, and hopefully having you on as a frequent guest here on the show. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Same here, my man. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right, be safe, Mike. All right, thanks so much, Mike Vaccaro, New York Post.